Hello, and welcome to Exploring Axon, a podcast where we discuss Axon Framework, Axon Server, and their ecosystem. I am your host and a software developer at Axonic, Sarah Tori. In this episode, I spoke with Ben Ronchi, Ivan Dukalic, and Dushan Perkovic about the Axonic Initializer. We discussed why we developed the Initializer, the roadmap, and some of the improvements we hope to include in the future of this product. Axonic Initializer is now public. You can simply go to start.axonic.io and start building your Axon Framework applications quickly and easily. I hope you enjoyed this conversation, and let's have a listen. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this wonderful episode. I hope you're all having a great day. And um, I'm really excited that you could all join me. So let's kind of go around and introduce yourselves and uh, tell me a little bit about your background. So Dushan, you're our front-end specialist. So <laughs> go for front it. Front-end guy, right? Front-end guy. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Hey. Hi. Uh, hi, I'm uh, Dushan, as Sarah introduced me. I'm the front-end developer working with Exonic for uh, almost, almost a year and a half, or actually more than a year and a half. I know, time flies. Uh, I do mostly all JavaScript stuff uh, and front-end stuff and UI stuff, and I dabble a little bit in Golang and other things, but mostly front-end, mostly, you know, JavaScript. So, yeah. Uh, and I've been in charge, uh, yeah, with the front-end for this project. So, yeah. Yeah. So excited to have you. Hi, Ivan. How are you? Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you are, and uh, a little bit about your background with Axonic? Hey. Hi. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Dushan. Hi, Ben. It's nice to be here. First time on your podcast, Sarah. Uh, you know, very excited. Uh, yes, uh, my, my my role. I work with Axonic, so my role is uh, is a, yeah, a solution architect or solutions architect. Hopefully, there are more than one. Uh, mainly discussing problems with our clients and customers and partners, and then helping them in uh, you know building these solutions by using Exxon Framework as a programming model and Exxon Server as an infrastructural component, like an event store and a messaging platform. So this is mainly my role, having some fun uh, as well, uh, you know, by doing this. Uh, so yeah, in short, that's me. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. Awesome. So, so happy to have you. And um, yeah, you have a lot of knowledge when it comes to architectural design. And you helped me write a few articles um, earlier this year and last year. And it was uh, yeah a lot of fun to, to work with you. So I really appreciate you being here today. And you're also in the beautiful Belgrade in Serbia, right? Yes, yes, yes. Same place as Dusan. So Belgrade, Serbia. Uh, yeah, working from here. Distributed. <laughs> Yes, we're all distributed. We're all over the place. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Hi, Ben. How are you? You're a little bit closer I, geographically to me. So how are you? Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Away. Still yeah. many hours away, correct? Yeah, yeah uh, my name is Ben, Ben Runchy. I've been with Exonic for, I don't know, about five months now. Uh, prior to that, I was uh, a customer, working at a customer, and uh, we'd been using uh, Axon Framework, Axon Server, and uh, to solve a lot of our problems there. Uh, so now I play the same role that Yvonne plays of solutions architect, solutions engineer, uh, yeah. helping customers, doing some pre-sales, helping existing customers, and helping people figure out, figure out how do we get this these products going for ourselves. Fantastic. And do you mind sharing where you are? Oh, yeah. I'm in Minneapolis, Minnesota, USA. And, yeah. And that's a wonderful, beautiful place. I've only been there, I think, once briefly. But yeah, wonderful place. So great to Through have the you all. I assume. 
Yes, a connection, but nevertheless, yeah. briefly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so wonderful. Thank you so much for being here. I know um, for some of you, it's a little bit uh, later hours of the afternoon. So we'll um, try to sort of keep it at a reasonable uh, time for everybody. But um, today we are here to talk about Axonic Initializer, which I'm super excited to announce that it actually went public today, I think, right? Yeah, awesome. So we had a we had a soft lunch last week, I believe, and uh, got some feedback. And uh, the, today, I guess it uh, went into a public production. So now everybody can take a look and um, play around with it. So let's talk about why we created this um, this product and why did you guys sort of volunteer to start this project? What was the reason for that? You know, one of the reasons we made it was, uh, you know, just as we kind of have said in the past, getting projects bootstrapped going, you know, a lot of people spend all their time writing the code. It isn't that much time that you spend getting it started and up off the ground. So sure. those are maybe some of the, uh, I'll say, uh, uh, skills or steps that, you know, you do once and then you forget. And then when you've got to go back to it, you get another one going. So, you know, I mean, spring initializer kind of solved that problem for, for a lot of people. And I think that has been uh, picked up by a lot of other uh, frameworks. And mm -hmm. uh, we decided that, hey, that's a great idea. Let's this get on time. that bandwagon. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Solve this problem for people so they can get on to writing that code, not having to figure out what are all the minutia and details to, to bootstrap this thing to get right. it started. Exactly. And because Axonic itself, the Axon framework itself um, was, I think, a product that initially was built because we were trying to help other developers to start uh, using it so that they can get to their productivity faster and they can really mm -hmm. um, not be bothered by, you know, going through the whole process of building something from scratch. And this kind of gives them the platform to be able to use CQRS mainly. And the uh, aspects of DDD that um, we often recommend everybody to use to be able to use faster and without any um, sort of complications. And now having the initializer, I think, helps further um, these um, developers who are interested in using CQRS and parts of DDD event sourcing, especially to be able to just get right to it quickly and be able to use the product. So. Yep. Can you tell us a little bit about the structure of the initializer? What what did you guys decide to um, to do when you were talking about sort of designing? I guess there was not a whole lot of designing question, right? Because we sort of went at, as the model of Spring initializer and sort of adapted that model and sort of went with it. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, when we first started talking about, hey, who, what would we target? How would we get this up off the ground? Uh, the vast majority of our customers at this point in time are very interested in using Axon Framework inside of Spring Boot. So we went down the Spring Initializer path because it uh, allowed us to bring something uh, to market very quick uh, in terms of all the backend type code that would be there. We can just we just based it on the Spring Initializer project. Uh, you know, then we put a lot of weight on Dushan and our other UX UI people to you know <laughs> come up with our own custom UI because you know we couldn't. Couldn't use the green and uh, and black that uh, Spring Initializer has. Yeah, uh, but yeah, yeah. So that was the that's how it started. Was how do we get this started quickly so we could start to allow people to to use it? To use and it then, exactly. Uh, 
and then move on to other areas or add other features as we uh, as we find out what people really Absolutely. need help with. And speaking of front end, Dushan, how was your experience? Well, what did you decide to to do with the front end? Because obviously we didn't want to um, use everything that was already in Spring Initializer front end. <laughs> so. yeah. Yeah, I just want to say, you know, you asked who volunteered, why did you volunteer? I mean, I didn't volunteer, I'm the only guy, so, you know. <laughs> it was just like, do it, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, we need to obviously. call on you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so, obviously, yeah, we couldn't use the, the Spring UI, um, but uh, we kind of used this as a uh, springboard to, uh, to create our own uh, components, uh, which we want to... Uh, use in other Exonic products as well. So this was kind of like, a, uh, as Ivan would put it, a little bit of an experiment to see, you know, how uh, how could we create something that could be reusable uh, across our other components. And because we plan to uh, create other products or maybe rewrite some other products, we want to have uh, stuff that's kind of like brand specific to Exonic and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. we wanted to create something. So it um, it took a little bit maybe more time than it would be usual. But now that we have mm -hmm. like these base components ready, we can use them in other projects. And I think it would be, you know, it's going to be a... Uh, a, a, uh, then a unified experience across across them all. So. Right, absolutely, and beneficial for you know cross platforms basically as we as we have other products in Axonic, which is nice. Um, so going back to some of the um, challenges for the developers to use Axon Framework and sort of um, because Axon Framework itself is a rather um, complex framework in some ways. And there is a learning curve that's involved with, with using Axon Framework. And I think having the initializer helps people to sort of get started with using the framework actually and experimenting with the framework and so forth. So Yvonne, can you tell um, everybody a little bit about these sort of uh, um, experiences that the developers had prior to having the initializers? What were some of those challenges that they were facing using Axon Framework or getting started with Axon Framework, for instance? I know you and I had some conversations when I first started mm. um, using the framework and joined Axonic. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, uh, when you're starting with Axon Framework, uh, at least you have to choose the right dependencies. Of course, uh, uh, you know, uh, you can uh, start with Spring Boot Exxon application or maybe vanilla Java application without Spring Boot, really depends. You can have to choose, yeah. you can choose mm -hmm. actually. Uh, but, you know, you still have to worry about what dependencies I should be selecting. And beside this core library, because beside this core Exxon framework that we have actually, yeah. which is a Spring Boot starter, right? You can also choose uh, many other extensions. Like for example, there is a reactor extension uh, there is like a RabbitMQ extension or Kafka extension or maybe, you know, Spring Cloud extension that you can add as well. Um, and it's now much, much easier because by default, you will get uh, a runnable application that you can actually execute and download from our starter. Uh, it's all by convention, very good, very nicely structured, right? Uh, and it's working. And then you can also choose uh, all of these other dependencies that are really nicely explained there on that page, right? On the starter. Uh, so you can wisely choose what else you really need, right? So is this like a reactor extension that you should be adding there or maybe not? So I think it's a good start for everybody who is actually learning Exxon uh, to start from there. Everything starts from there, Sarah, absolutely. I guess, uh, you know. <laughs> right, absolutely. Yeah. So um, one thing that... Um, 
I think we discussed in one of our talks um, before when when we were talking about um, sort of where the um, initializer was uh, going to be and how we wanted to um, evolve it and so forth. How do you guys then um, manage the different versions as we change versions, as we go through, for instance, Axon server version changes or framework and things like that? are, for instance, if somebody goes and downloads the initializer, of course, I'm assuming they get the latest version of both framework and server. Um, for somebody who may have used it, uh, may have started using it uh, prior to this new version, um, how do do we deal with that at all? Is it something that is dealt with there, or do we recommend people to just manually do that? Can can I mean I don't even know if this is a relevant question here, <laughs> but I'm just popping in my head so oh, that's what, do you, fine. Yeah. what do you guys think <laughs> yeah so i mean most of the time you'd go there and kind of bootstrap the project uh the fact that we've got a bomb uh for uh, uh the our exxon axon uh, uh dependencies makes mm-hmm. it real easy to just and, and that's the uh, project that it uh creates for you uses that mm-hmm. uh makes it real easy to just update the version of the bomb that you're looking to, uh, or to the most recent that you want to get to, if that's the case, if a new one's been released, that type of thing, you don't have to go and dig through all sorts of things, uh, all sorts of details in there. But now on the flip side, say you, you just need something different. Uh, you want to see what those dependencies are. I mean, I do this all the time with the spring initializer. I'll go mm-hmm. pick what's out there and then just, you know, rip off what, uh, rip something out of the palm or the Gradle file and paste it into mine. Cause I know that's where I can get, the, the coordinates for, from easily and the versions easily, you know, that type of thing. Right. Uh, so, so I think just kind of a combination of, of the two is probably an approach people could, uh, will probably end up taking. Right. Um, right. So. Which is nice because it gives the flexibility. And I think that's, what's important to a lot of developers. They want to have the capability to pick and choose basically if they, if yep. they want to. So that's great. So um, talking about dependencies, I know there are some dependencies that are non-negotiable, right? <laughs> Assuming yeah. you need to use Axon Framework, yeah. for example. Are there any others? No. So there are some that you will get them even if you don't right. want them. I mean, uh, this is like uh, uh, Axon Framework Core, uh, essentially, you know, giving you a framework. And, and then uh, everything else you can choose, actually. Everything else is optional. But this one uh, you will get by default. Uh, are there some that are recommended? Uh, also, there is a test. Oh yeah, there's a course. test. Yeah, of course. Yeah. 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 Test will come also by default. I think that was a good uh, thing to have. I mean, uh, you should be actually definitely typing some tests as well in code. <laughs> uh, yeah. And any other reason. dependencies that are not um, sort of pre-selected but are recommended for users to use, or it just really depends on what project they're building. Yeah, I'd say it really depends on uh, what project they're building. You know, if they're going to be using just Axon Server, uh, what we provide right out of the box uh, works for that. Uh, if you're going to be using, as Yvonne was talking about, maybe a, one of the other uh, technologies to, to come up with your solution, uh, Kafka, Rabbit, et cetera, uh, Mongo, those are all ones that you can pick out of there too. So, I mean, that level of flexibility, mix and match yeah. uh, kind of what it provides. Absolutely. And so in terms of um, 
we talked about, yes, this was built basically sort of on top of uh, Spring Boot, right? So it's sort of, again, pre-selected. You have to be able to um, use Spring in order to use this initializer. Do we have it at some point mm. in the future that um, people who don't want to use Spring, for instance, can use the initializer? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, uh, this is on our roadmap. We wanted to go in production very, very fast with this to provide a value to our customers and clients and partners, you know, everybody else. I mean, uh, everybody in, in, uh, in general. Uh, and that was the reason we just, you know, provided you now with the Spring Boot flavored Exxon applications, right? So now at the moment, actually, you can only create Exxon application that is also a Spring Boot app, right? So, uh, but what we plan for the future is to uh, create our own uh, generator, right? So we are using uh, act, we are using Spring Initializer project heavily for this, and we didn't change a lot. I mean, we are using this out of the box, and as a transient dependency of Spring Initializer, you will find, uh, I think it's called uh, Spring Generator. So it's it's res this library especially is is responsible for creating Spring flavored projects, right? Uh, so uh, mining the structure of the project, mining the you know the the, the 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 property file is in there, also structured correctly and stuff like that. But we can actually do much much more. We can replace this Spring flavor generator with Exxon generator, giving giving you like more freedom. So in future, very very soon actually, you will be able to create uh, you know vanilla or native uh, Java Exxon application as well, uh, if you really want to. And also, we will be a little bit, we, we, we will be able uh, to, you know, put a little bit more opinion into the structure of the project. Like we can also give you uh, maybe a packaging structure already, putting some, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, let, let's say property file inside uh, that really makes sense. For example, configuring your database, configuring maybe Exxon server. If you're using, uh, uh, let's say, Kafka or Rabbit or something like that, we can also configure uh these things these integration parts as well uh, for example monitoring is really interesting extension if you use that one out of the box we can also provide you with a with a with a with a list of properties that are matching your choice with this extension right so this is something we are looking forward to do uh and uh, yeah hopefully soon sarah i hope that answers yeah, absolutely. your question yeah, absolutely. And I think the reason why we decided to go with Spring at this point is because most of uh, the Axon framework users already use Spring Boot or um, some other versions of mm. or some other products of Spring um, with their project, project. So I think that was um, one of the main reasons, and correct me if I'm yes. wrong, why we decided to put this project heavily on top of yes. Spring Boot, which, which makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you did talk briefly about the roadmap. Um, any other things on the roadmap that you're hoping to to do in either near future or later on down the road? Yeah, I think uh, one of the other things is uh, to be able to uh, include uh, Axon server in right. with it. So, you know, just making it so you start the project and it just spins up an instance of Axon server, maybe pulls down a Docker container or maybe... Yeah. Maybe we include the jar in there. I'm not not 100% certain how we'd go about doing it, whatever makes the most sense. Uh, the Docker side mm. presumes you already have something installed. So uh, something we could do, though. Yeah, um, absolutely. So yeah, that would be one of them. Uh, like Yvonne said, 
you know, what can we do to give some sample code in there that right away can show, I don't know, hello world uh, yeah. in a CQRS fashion, exactly. um, you know, shows how to store your projections in uh, just like an H2 database, for example, that would be right there in memory or just writes to the file. Something yeah. that would uh, just give an example app that would at least give you the uh, some structure to follow. But you could easily throw away once you, you know, you didn't have to, to stick with it and have it destroy your app if you had to get rid of it and remove it from there. So, yeah, which is, which is great. Um, now, you mentioned Axon Server. So, as of right now with the initializer, that's something that um, the users would have to add to their projects manually to be able to use Axon Server, correct? Yeah, yeah, they'll have to go download it mm. and, uh, yeah, again, you can download it off our site or you can go to the uh, Docker Hub and download a container of it. Uh, pretty easy to, to access um, and get it started for yourself. But yeah, it's something you'd have to take on. But that's th those are one of the next things. So Right. And at the moment, it's still pretty easy to do because um, Axon Server does have a standard edition, which is free to yep. use. So people can go play around with it and see if they like it and... Uh, yeah. So down the road, if we can just have it sort of out of the box, as you mentioned, and you know, you start the project and everything just works beautifully in harmony. That that's yes. something really nice. That would be great. Um, and I think it would make um, some of the trainings much easier too, right? Because that's one of the other reasons why we decided to uh, develop the initializer because we do uh, have a lot of trainings and we do. Uh, uh, show developers how to use Axon Framework. And a lot of times, even for the very um, beginning trainings, we do have to ask them, hey, this is this is where you download Axon um, Server, if you're using Docker, if you otherwise. Um, and so this this would be a really nice feature. I'm sure all of all of us trainers would be <laughs> giving you guys a thumb, two thumbs up there. So you can actually get onto the training now and not exactly. just the Exactly, uh, we don't have to wait. <laughs> Right. It's a common pattern here. <laughs> I remember the first time I had to use the Axon server on, on my Docker and the Docker was not cooperating and it just took me, I don't know, a day or two just to get that going before I could even start um, mm -hmm. Axon server. So that was uh, that was not fun. Um, so we did talk a lot about the different dependencies and what we are hoping to uh, achieve later on with the roadmap. Um, is this initializer an open source project at the moment, or is it in a private repo? Uh, it's open source. Okay. Um, the repo may not have been moved to public just yet, but it will be right <laughs> after this, huh? So. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no worries. This, this, uh, yeah, this episode yeah. will come out in a, <laughs> a little while, so we have time before, <laughs> before this is advertised. <laughs> Absolutely. So while you're listening to this, it will be. <laughs> while, yeah. you're while you're listening, listening to this, it's, it's it will be public. public. So, yeah. <laughs> yes. Now, Dushan, I have to ask you, because I know you had some ideas about how you wanted the front end of this project to, to go. Because um, in the back end, because Axon already has uh, other products, like the, the framework itself is open source, server, um, uh, the standard edition is open source, and uh, we are making an initializer is open source, because now you're listening to it. So what about the front yes. end of it, Dushan? And what were your ideas on that part? Yeah, um, so uh, I really wanted to decouple the front end from the back end for multiple reasons. One, the development is way smoother because if you decouple them and uh, 
use kind of maybe mock data sometimes or just use the API for the backend. You don't have to build the backend every time. Uh, you can just uh, run like a variety of other front-end tools that can just spin up a server for you and then you can see the app actually. Um, and the other reason was, of course, we wanted to make it, we want to make components modular so we can reuse them at other projects. So uh, kind of in making this one project, uh, we made, I think, two or three, uh, so in the front-end. Uh, we made the style guide for the, the front end components. We made the initializer and we made the actual core components in a separate separate repos. So maintaining those repos independently kind of uh, proved to be difficult because yeah, you have a core repo and then you have to you know either make a private npm repository and then include that in your package and then every time you up you you update your core package, you have to push it to npm and to GitHub and then to pull it and that's um, at, at least. Uh, it, it was a little bit, um, it caused too much friction, at least in my opinion. Uh, or the other alternative is, you know, don't have any packages, just copy paste everything. And that's also like, you know, not good. So we decided yeah. to go on the front end, we decided to go with the monorepo approach. Uh, basically what that means is we have one big repo, which has for now three smaller packages. One is the core package, which, mm -hmm. which contains all our UI components. The second one is the style guide, which is just like a deploy, a sample page uh, that includes all of our core components and shows them on the page. This is mostly used by me and uh, uh, the UX person, uh, Franz, to like uh, communicate and see, you know, okay, this is the implementation of the design. How can we change it? How can we up improve on it maybe? And to have it independently from the, from the initializer. And the third one is the actual initializer. Uh, which has its own like front-end deploy that you can run locally. Uh, you can pull the data either from uh, like your local machine. So if you have uh, the initializer back and running locally, you can use that data. You can use the dev data or you can use the actual production data. So we kind of really try to, I try to separate it as much as possible so that we can move parallel uh, as parallel as possible because um, kind of like it, it sucks waiting for the backend guys to finish their stuff before you have to stop working on it or, you know, they mess, something up and you, they mess something up and your components don't work and you're like, why does this work? And you spend the whole day, you know, debugging it and you say, oh, it's a backend issue. Yeah. And you find out it's us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love, I love, I love the jokes always. It's the backend. No, it's the front end. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's always the other so guy, right? You mentioned it. It's always the other person, right? The yeah. so you mentioned the mono repo, and um, I was wondering because well, mono repo it allows you to sort of have everything available in one same repository. It's it's great if you're um, if you were to have, for instance, another front end developer with you, and you can collaborate easily, <laughs> and back end can you know kind of yeah right <laughs> can kind of keep an eye on what's what's happening in the entire project, but. In multi-repo or poly-repo uh, projects, it's a little bit easier if you're using Git, right? If you're using sort of like a version control system. Is, is that going to cause any issues with what you have in mind? Because I know you're a proponent of monorepo. So how, how do you deal with that? Um, well, to be honest, like I'm not opposed to either approach, like either monorepo or multi-repo. I'm just like use the you know best tool for the best, for the job that you want, right? Sure. So uh, mm -hmm. like uh, I wouldn't be you know pro putting all the axonic packages in one big monorepo, like putting the backend and the frontend and everything together. That just doesn't mm -hmm. make sense. But right. putting like all the all the frontend parts together like this makes it easier to um, well maintain them and to make changes. Uh, one of the big issues that you have, you can have with like a multi-repo approach, especially with like front end, is 
um, let's say I'm uh, we get an, like another front end person is working on something else, right? And uh, right. we both have to change some core component, and so they change it. And let's say if it's a multi-repo, the core package is independent. Right. So they change it and then they don't see how it affects my package and they just push, push out the change. And I pull it and my package mm -hmm. breaks and then I create a fix and then I break their package. So um, it's 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 a bit more friction, at least in my opinion. You can, of course, communicate all of this. It's it's not a problem, but right. I'm more of a proponent of like just keeping it simple. And um, like if all uh, front end developers have access to one big like uh, one big uh, one big repo and work within it. And we're using stuff like TypeScript, which we are using with Svelte, which is also like a library. Mm -hmm. uh, like it yeah. will yell at you if you try to push something that's breaking other packages, which is, you know, uh, oh, you can wonderful. just. So you yeah, mean you're you... not going to have like a merge bomb like I did the other day? <laughs> you and I had to sit and fix it for two hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so you, you can't just be like uh, oblivious to, you know, you can't just make changes willy-nilly. You can't just be oblivious to other people that mm -hmm. use uh, the core package. So if you make a change, you have to be really careful and update the other packages that are using it if you're breaking it. And as I said, the bill will, bill will, will yell at you if, you if you are doing it. So in one way, it kind of fosters more communication between people, in my opinion. The other approach with multi-repo would be doing something like versioning. But then, as I said, like you can have, um, if one ver uh, one ver version or one package diverges too much from the version you're using, then you can have a lot of issues when you try to catch up with it, right? Instead of just Upgrade. keeping yep. everything together, you know? So there's uh, arguments either pro and con, like monorepo, multi-repo, and I've looked into it a lot. Um, uh, but yeah. at least for the for the front end, it made sense to do it. So maybe I'm, I'm always open sure, to it. Sure, at least for the initializer itself, yeah. Yeah, it, uh, um, if it make if it like down the road, if it makes sense to separate them, I'm of course up for separating them. But for now, this is like the the best way, in my opinion, to do it. So, mm -hmm. and so is is the front end at this point um, also open source? People can look at the the code, or there are parts of it that are not open yeah. source. Yeah, yeah, the the front end is completely open source. You can go to the Axonic organization GitHub and look at the. Uh, to the product UI repo, uh, there we're using PNPM workspaces uh, for the model repo, and you can look under packages. There's style guide, core, and initializer, and yeah, uh, they're all, all connected. And I, I actually wrote a README, even though the uh, developers don't like writing documentation. I wrote wrote it, so you can actually <laughs> look through the README and read it and use it, and you will understand most of it. I, I hope so. So yeah, that's great. So I know the backend is written in Java. Not really interested. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Old news. But it's, it's mostly YAML. So great. Mostly YAML. Yay. We all love YAML. Um, but you, you mentioned the front end. Uh, you use Svelte. So yeah. um, I remember we, we had a, a brief talk about it. Why did you use Svelte? Um, just for, the, for our front end listeners who might be interested yeah. in knowing more about all two of them about right? that portion <laughs> all two of them hopefully yeah. more yeah hopefully uh, these are yeah. the full stack people are interested this is the oh, full okay. stack exactly yes okay oh the rest so, of us who like to go poke into your code and change things and break stuff so yeah. <laughs> yeah sure sure um so svelte uh, i kind of discovered it uh, i think maybe a few years ago um it was quite quite interesting there's this really good talk by rich harris who is the creator of svelte on youtube uh uh, it's talk. It's talk about reactivity and why React isn't really reactive. Um, and uh, it was a really interesting talk. And uh, what I really liked about Svelte is how simple and easy it is to use. 
And I, as I said, I'm a big, big proponent of simple and easy things because I really believe that like meaningful work isn't just writing stuff up, right? Um, so uh, I really liked it. And the only thing I was kind of waiting for is TypeScript support for Svelte. And when that arrived, I was like, okay, I really want to try and use this. And since the, initial, the initializer was kind of like an experimental, uh, as I said, springboard for our other products, I decided to go for it and see how it, you know, how it works and fits. Um, I have experience nice. with React and Vue and Angular as well. So, you know, I was like, let's see how this stacks up in an actual project that I have to use. And it was sure, quite, sure. quite easy to use. Like setting it up was quite simple. The build was quite, you know, easy to set up. Everything works basically nice. out of the box. Um, so yeah. I really had a lot of fun doing it. And also, you know, because I know I'm surrounded by backend people everywhere. Um, I wanted to have <laughs> something. Yeah, I wanted to have something that's kind of like easy for them to use as well. And I was also talking to Ivan about Svelte, I think, a few months back. And he tried it and he, he really liked mm -hmm. it as well. So um, uh, I think it's, it's a really nice, it's a really nice like framework and uh, anyone can really get into it. Um, so yeah, that's a big reason. Like it was just really simple to use and then um, just really flexible. Uh, so yeah, I think right. we're basing the basically we're basing the entire monorepo on it, uh, and we're probably yes. going to do other products uh, with Svelte as well, uh, unless I get convinced otherwise. Which for now I don't think I will be, but who knows? Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's the big reason. So. Awesome, fantastic. Um, so the last point that I want to kind of uh, get into, if uh, I'm sure you have some information now, because we had a soft lunch last week and uh, we've had uh, several people using the initializer. How has the reaction been? Have we gotten any hate mails? <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> or like, yeah. Hate mail that I'm aware of. Yes. <laughs> good. No, me either. Yeah. Which is good. You know, I, I'd say obviously uh, positive, um, yeah. you know, uh, feedback for a lot of the things we've talked about roadmap wise of, Hey, well, what if it did this? What if it did that? Right. You know, so lots of kind of reinforcement of, okay, we're hitting the mark here, uh, for the starter pieces, no pun intended. <laughs> and, uh, how we decide to, uh, chart our course through our roadmap is probably something, uh, mm -hmm. that with the feedback now we've had, we've got, we will have a little more, uh, opportunity to know what's the best thing to do next or what we yeah. think would provide the most value next. So yeah, we, we got a lot and of I feedback. Have used it. It's really simple. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah. Go ahead. Dishan. Yeah. We got a lot of feedbacks before UX as well, uh, which I really liked. Um, I mean, the thing is like the good thing is we didn't get any like bad feedback in terms of, Hey, this doesn't work, which is really nice. Uh, we got a lot of yeah. like constructive feedbacks like, Hey, you know, maybe this would be nice or maybe add that and like that, which kind of shows that people are, liking it and using it, looking for ways to improve mm -hmm. it, which is really cool. There are like UI features yeah. that we didn't get to in this version one. So that means we're kind of already working mm -hmm. on version two. Uh, but right. yeah, for now, like it's been, it's been really nice seeing that people use it and say, Hey, you know, we're, we're playing, make, having fun with it and playing with it. So. Yeah. So as, as always, um, feedback is always welcome because that just helps us and you guys specifically to make the product even better as we go. Gives us a better idea. And Sarah, you also know probably that this is not, I mean, the front end is not, the, this UI that Dushan built is not the only way actually to integrate or to use a, a starter project initializer. You can do that from IntelliJ or Eclipse. So the plugin, the Spring Boot the starter plugin actually works uh, also with our, our Exxon initializer because we are not changing the API. We are using the same RESTful API 
uh, as uh, start.spring.io is using, so no difference there. And we will uh, also be compatible with this API as we go forward uh, with our roadmap as well. So we're not going to change that or break that. So I hope that uh, people will uh, understand that this is also very nice to have. I mean, <clears throat> yeah. uh, in, in directly from IntelliJ or Eclipse, you can just start your favorite Exxon project, right? That's cool. I am so uh, happy that you mentioned that. Yeah, I'm really glad you mentioned yeah. that so that uh, people don't necessarily have to go to, you know, and open a browser and go to that URL and use the project and download it there. They can just start from their favorite ID, basically, and <laughs> and use that, which is awesome. Yeah. Fabulous. I mean, they, they can, of course, they can use both of them. They can use both of them. They can even do that from the terminal. I mean, uh, we have this content negotiation, we call it, in place. So, uh, you know, you can negotiate the response back to you. So even if you try this from the terminal, you will get like the third type of response. It's not going to be the same like on the web, but it's not also going to be the same like IntelliJ, right? It's a little bit different. So that's also cool. Yeah. Nice. To have. Right, which is really neat. Very neat, very neat. I am, yeah, I'm looking forward to all one other wonderful things that are going to be developed with this project to, to pop up and yeah, really, really cool stuff, you guys. So looking any other points that I, yeah, any other points that I've forgotten to mention or you'd like to uh, point out? No. Cool. I think yeah. I think we covered a, a good uh, good starter for now, <laughs> which is which is awesome. And I think I'm sure uh, as as we go on and use it and get more feedback, we can always come back and uh, sort of give an update of uh, where the initializer is going and what we have done. And uh, as the later on roadmaps would come up with other ideas, we we'll just uh, keep everybody informed, which is awesome. But I really appreciate your time today. I really thank you all for being here and making my day so much more special. Really glad to be spending a portion of the day with three of my very favorite people. So really appreciate your time. Thanks for being here. Thanks. And thank yeah, and I think, um, of course, of course, I really, I really love uh, talking about this stuff with you all and uh, informing everybody about it so that um, uh, we can use the framework much more easily we can start projects we can get to productivity as soon as possible so that we don't have to worry about all the um, beginning of a project hassle of starting things up and adding dependencies and so forth um and i think there is actually a blog that's coming up about initializer i believe there's uh, uh there's some other information in written format that are coming up and ben i believe you um you wrote a piece about it as well right yeah it should be May, might be out there right now. Uh, yeah, since I think we've so. Released it now. So. Yeah, I think I think uh, it came out at our week, so. uh, blogs at exonic.io. Absolutely. So it's right there. Um, so if uh, anybody wants more information, uh, they can look at that. They can also always, as as always, ask questions on the discuss platform. So um, I'll make sure to add the links there so that uh, people can go read about it and uh, find out more wonderful things about the initializer. So thanks again, you guys, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks. Thanks, Have you too. Thank you. Bye, sir. Bye-bye. I hope you give our initializer a try, and please do give us your feedback. We'd love to hear all about it. Please join me next time as I discover and talk about other interesting and informative topics. Until then, have a great time and happy coding. Bye.